This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 151, for Friday, March 14th. 2014, which I know is an unusual day for us to be recording, and terribly, terribly late, if, if you follow our regular schedule, but here we are, Jason. Here we are. Well, circumstances are kind of weird this week with you uh, doing all your traveling. Yeah, I have been all over the place. I was in Texas for three days for South by Southwest, and then I came home for one night to see my family. Almost didn't make it, though, because my flight was canceled. Uh, my connecting flight was canceled on the way home. Right. My, my bag didn't make it, so I didn't have some of the stuff that I need to survive. Really? Yeah. Like, well, yeah see, usually uh, I have a complete second set of uh, toiletries for travel. So I just leave that packed, and it doesn't impact you know the stuff that I have in my medicine cabinet. Right, I know, but I I had some like I'm lucky actually. I brought most of my stuff. Like I had the little uh, recording <clears throat> device here. Oh, that know, stuff. Yeah, stuff that stuff's like important. That. Yeah, exactly. And some of that was packed. Luckily, I brought most of it in a carry on. But you know, there was just other stuff that I didn't have, and it was it's also annoying to lose a bag. And and not only that, I was turning around in a couple of days to hop in the car and drive here to beautiful Chicago for Walker Stalker Con. Mm-hmm. So I was all messed up, and it didn't really work. I, I didn't think it was fair to be gone for like eight straight days with one in the middle and then come home and spend all night podcasting. Right. You know, which would be fun. But I also wanted to hang out with the kids and see my wife and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Um, that didn't work out. But now, here I am. I'm in Chicago in my hotel room. It's Friday morning. Walker Stalker Con starts today, which is really awesome. Are you excited? I'm very, very much excited. And um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to be a good time. So I'm going to dispense with some of the usual formalities here as okay. we get into this episode. But I do want to mention, and something I completely forgot to talk about last week, which... or whenever it was, last time we recorded. <laughs> last year, <laughs> yeah, a while ago, whenever. Whenever, is that we're doing a listener meetup here at the con. Right. And it's going to be, um, when is it going to be? It's going to be tomorrow at 6 p.m. So Saturday night. Saturday night, that's right, at the Red Bar and Lounge in the Hyatt Regency O'Hare Hotel, which is uh, the hotel official hotel for the conference and attached to the convention hall. Nice. So if you're here or if you're in the Chicago area or you want to, you know, just hop on a plane from anywhere in the world, fly into Chicago (laughs) and come to the Red Bar and Lounge at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. Pretty much anywhere in the world has a direct flight to O'Hare, it being a huge airport hub. It is massive. Uh, Yeah, it is huge. O'Hare is where my flight was canceled coming back to Toronto. (laughs) So you just got off the plane and that was the end of it. You should have just stayed. I know. I To be honest, I considered that. If I hadn't been able to get another flight later that night, I was thinking of just staying here, um, which may have been the right decision in retrospect, but I also wanted to go home and see everyone for a day. So Right. Um, <clears throat> but then I had to drive 12 hours to get here, 
on yeah. uh, yesterday. Now it's not normally well. I mean, might be normally, but you know, on the map, it's not a twelve-hour drive. No, right? on so the you map, you weren't planning for twelve hours. No, according to Google Maps, it's like eight, eight and a half. Right now, throw in some bad traffic and stuff, and it could easily get to nine, ten hours, maybe. Right. Yeah. But because of the crazy snow we had in Toronto the the night before, it it was just insane. It was a total gong bonkers show getting out of toronto on thursday or uh yeah thursday morning it took me like three hours to get to guelph which is usually i don't know hour <laughs> no guelph that's not even an hour not even exactly so it was just nuts and i was getting frustrated and i just wanted to drive um after that though it was kind of okay there was a small slowdown in kalamazoo michigan right but that was all right because i had just passed a place called climax michigan so i was kind of laughing about that that's funny Hide everybody in Climax, Michigan, by the way. Yeah, and Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah, and Kalamazoo. I'd never been there before either. <laughs> awesome. So were you ready to get started here, or what are we going to do? Uh, I am ready to get started. The first right. thing, though, is oh. I am going to play another clip in <gasps> our uh, Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Excellent. So that's going to be fun. So here, this comes from Chris in Hawaii. And uh, he's doing what he titled Nebraska. So this farm sounds pretty sweet. Don't it sound sweet, don't it? Yeah, real sweet. How about a little southern hospitality? We got some buddies back at camp having a real hard time. We can pull our resources, our manpower. Look, I'm sorry. That's not an option. Doesn't sound like it'd be a problem. I'm sorry. We can't. We can't take in anymore. You guys are something else. I thought we were friends. We got people to look out for too. We don't know anything about you. That's true. You don't know what we've had to go through out there. The things we've had to do. I bet you've had to do some of those same things yourself, am I right? Cause ain't nobody's hands clean in what's left of this world. We're all the same. So come on, let's take a nice friendly hayride out to that farm and get to know each other. That's not gonna happen. Rick, this is bullshit. Calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Don't you ever tell me to calm down. Shoot you three assholes in the head and take your farm. Whoa, 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 relax. Take it easy. Nobody's killing anybody. Nobody's shooting anybody, right, Rick? Look, we're just three friends having a drink, that's all. Now, where's the good stuff, huh? Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Let's see. Hey, look at that. That'll work. Gotta understand, we can't stay out there. You know what it's like. Yeah, I do. The farm is too crowded as it is. I'm sorry. You have to keep looking. Keep looking? Where do you suggest we do that? I don't know. I hear Nebraska's nice. <laughs> Nebraska, this guy. All right, thank you, Chris. Jason, what did you think of that? That was, you know, yeah, it might be a little old hat for me to say, but uh, that was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't no. know why I'm so happy about these. Just they just make me happy. It's well, I know why they make you happy. They make me happy too. It's fun to hear people putting some effort and some uh, you know, taking the time to do something as cool as that. Yeah. And uh, it's just fun to to get stuff from from our listeners like that. You know, it's it's always great. To, it's always great getting emails and calls and whatever. But this is even better because it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit unique, and it it makes for fun times. Just fun, fun, fun. Good stuff. Okay, so we're going to recap last week's episode uh, just in time, I guess, for <laughs> for this week's upcoming episode. It's still a couple of days away at this point, right? But uh, we are finally going to do this whole recap thing here. So uh, let's get right into it. Cool. So last week's episode was called Alone. And what was it? Was it number 12 or 13? Jeez, I, don't I don't know. doesn't matter. It's called Alone. And we start the cold open on Bob. Haven't seen Bob in a little while. Yeah, I've, I've decided uh, recently that I'm going to call uh, Bob uh, the Stookie Monster. <laughs> Okay, works for well, me. Well, it's because he's happy. Because the Cookie Monster is not a real monster. Like he's he's not like a serial killer or someone that uh, is really particularly evil. You know, he's the Cookie Monster. It's you know, it's the juxtaposition of incongruities. It's a, it's the monster put against put together against cookies, which are a good thing. So Stooky, he's happy. You know, he's been happy the last little last few times we saw him. So he's the Stooky Monster from now on. He is a happy guy, isn't he? Yeah, that's okay. Stooky Monster. We used to call him Spooky Stooky. Yeah, that. that that's not good. I like. He's so happy because he's not spooky anymore. You're right. You're right. I like uh, Stooky Monster. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. Well, we start with the Stooky Monster, and he's got extra hair. He's got longer hair than we've seen him with before. That's nice. He's looking really rough. He's all by himself. He's wandering through the forest. He's chugging some booze. So uh, cough syrup. Was it cough syrup? I think it was cough syrup. Oh God, cough syrup's nasty, but I guess in a pinch. Uh, we see him like taking shelter in some uh, broken down shack. He's on top of a truck for a while, and after he jumps off the truck and goes to walk away, suddenly a car and a motorcycle pull up behind him. And who is it, Daryl? Well, it's Daryl and uh, Glenn. And Glenn. Now, um, how did he get on that truck? Because it was just the truck. It wasn't the actual truck and trailer. It was just the trailer, right? Um, you know, you could you could find a way, don't you think? Really? Yeah, get a Next big... Next time you're walking past a trailer parked in a parking lot someplace, try and climb on top. Uh, okay, I might do that. <laughs> I might do that. The back was open, so maybe he was able to kind of scramble up the side or something like that. Okay, tell you what. Go to Next time you're home, open up your garage door and try and climb on the roof of your garage while the garage door is open in the front. I could, I could do it. I'd probably <laughs> wreck the uh, eaves trough on the garage, but... I, I, you know, th that didn't occur to me. Maybe he got a couple of sticks, built a ladder. Well, he, you know, he when he was in the in the uh, the old mine shaft or whatever that was, he built himself. Uh, you know, took a bunch of sticks and he some twine and stuff, and he built himself. You know, basically a a gate so that the monsters monsters, so that the uh, the zombies couldn't get in. So maybe he built a ladder. You're all about monsters today. Yeah, he yeah. probably built a ladder, or maybe he got a nice straight long pole stick and he pole vaulted himself up there yeah well you know, i'd give I'd, I'd let him do that he ran he planted it and he just went right up on top of that thing so yeah so i, I just you know it seemed kind of odd that he could just climb that okay well he did and he took shelter up there which is a pretty good idea to be honest it is, zombies it is. aren't yeah. zombies aren't climbing up there that's for sure no because it's impossible to climb up there right because <laughs> they'd never be able to do it <laughs> right 
Um, all right. Well, Daryl and Glenn drive up, and but it's it's past Daryl and Glenn. So now we know we're not in the future. Bob's not all by himself. We are in the past. Yeah, we're, this is a flashback. It is. And this is the scene where Daryl and Glenn meet Bob for the first time and pick him up. So Daryl's doing most of the po- talking. Right. He asks him, you know, is it just you? How long has it been? They ask his name. And then Daryl asks him the three questions. Right. How many walkers have you killed? And Bob says, I don't know, a couple of dozen. How many people? And he says one. And why, which is the third question, he says, she asked me to. Right. So what does that say about Bob? And why do those answers um, cause Daryl to offer to bring him back to the prison? Because he's honest. He was believable. It was uh, completely, you know, he's completely open about it. He didn't, mm-hmm. uh, and he didn't seem like he was uh, searching for them or for anyone or that he was a scout for anyone. He was just this lone dude walking along the road that's completely dejected and uh, sad and alone. And when Daryl asked him the questions, he's like, just answer them. I don't care. So Daryl's like, well, come with us then. Yeah, and, and the whole, you know, she asked me to is one of those things that really indicates that he's willing to m- do difficult things, right? Right. Which yeah. which you need to, I think. So, uh, so they invite Bob to come, and uh, Bob's like, "Yeah, sure," <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. And they wonder, yeah, they wonder if he has any questions for them, and he said, "Nope, doesn't matter who you are, uh, doesn't matter." To me, that uh, like I, we we know his history at this point. That uh, you know he's been with two other groups, and they've all died, and he's alone. So I think it was it doesn't matter because you're all going to die anyway, and I'm going to end up being alone. Yeah, well, that's what he thinks. That's for sure. We go to the credits. When we come back, it's foggy, very, very foggy. And there are walker sounds all around in this fog. Uh, we have Bob, Sasha, and Maggie now back in the present. In, and they're in the fog, and they're looking terrified, yep. which you know you would be if you can't see anywhere. Suddenly, walkers come out, and they have to fight them off with limited visibility, which is pretty awesome, I thought. Like, you know, scary and just... The situa- a situation you would definitely not want to be in, but a good one that worked really well on TV for creepy f- creepiness factor. Oh, totally! It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, how did they production-wise? How do you get a whole bunch of fog? Do you have any idea? Well, they just have machines that make fog, right? Well, they would. Well, the conditions have to be right for fog, so fog would dissipate, right? Like they have uh, fog machines that disperse like chalk dust, like for stage stuff, but that stuff you choke on. And then they have uh, like a fog machine that does uh, dry ice. That would all cling to the ground, right? That would be all cling to the ground and dissipates rather quickly. So I'm just curious as to how they did this, whether they just, they picked a foggy morning, like they waited for the conditions to be just right to film this, or whether the fog was completely added digitally afterwards. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it was digital. Maybe it was filmed on a set, like a soundstage, where... That fog is one of the features. Well, that'd be cool. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they can do indoor fog that that looks real. That was pretty dense fog, though. I don't know if I've ever been in fog that is that serious. I think I have. I mean, well, I mean, I've been in some pretty foggy conditions, but that up close, like, you usually have a little bit more visibility. But it worked here. Like, it worked here, I thought, for super creepiness anyways. Yep. For sure. Um, now, during the fight, it appears that Bob gets bit in the shoulder, and 
that didn't seem good to me. But Maggie goes down with one on top of her, and it gets so close to her before Sasha shoots it off. Yeah. Shoots the zombie off her. I, uh, you know, I didn't think Maggie was going to get bit, but they did a good job of, of at least portraying how much trouble these three were in during this fight. Yeah, not this early in the episode. No, you're I right. I mean, uh, uh, the Stooky monster might get uh, might get bit, and then, uh, you know, they would go with the transition for the entire episode. Yes. Uh, but Maggie's not gonna, about to get bit at the beginning of the uh, of the episode. She'd get bit at the end. Uh, you're probably right. Get bit at the end, maybe cliffhanger, and yeah. see what happens. Um, but Bob says that it's okay. He got me in the bandage. So his right. bandage from his gunshot wound saved him. And uh, Sasha gives him a big hug, which hurts, but he likes anyways. Yeah. He said, ow, 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 ow. So sorry. He's like, I didn't say stop. I just said ow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> We're one step closer to that threesome I'm going we for. We are. He's, uh, he's the machine. <laughs> he is. So now we cut over to Daryl and Beth, and they're doing some crossbow slash tracking training. Hmm. And uh, Beth decides that they're tracking a walker. Very or good. a drunk person. That's what Daryl says. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of drunk people out there. Yeah, there sure are. Uh, they come across a walker eating something with its back to them, and De uh, Beth slowly approaches it from behind, but she steps in a trap. Yeah. Well, which closes on her ankle. I had a friend, it happened to a friend of mine when I was a kid. I was oh, walking God, through the woods, and he stepped in a trap like that. That'll, that'll, that'll hurt, I bet. Apparently it hurt like a son of a bitch. Yeah, does it crack your ankle? Does it break uh, it? No, I don't think it was like a bear trap. I think it was like a smaller trap, and it uh, clamped on his foot. Right, and, that's uh, kind of what she had here, I think. Yeah, he had to go to the hospital because he wasn't wearing you know, tough cowboy boots like she was. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't permanently injured. Well, as Beth goes down, she manages to put a bolt in the walker's face, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Right through his mouth, I think. Yeah, through his mouth and out the back of his neck, which... It, it looked good, but not enough to, to take him down. So Daryl, of course, saves the day. He, he comes up, takes out the walker, and uh, Mag, um, Beth ends up with a twisted ankle, it seems like. Who would leave a trap in the middle of a field or clearing? Well, I don't know. I mean, they probably know that's where deer maybe come out to graze. So they come out to the clearing, they eat the grass, and step in a trap. I don't know. It just seems a little odd. And if there's any trappers out there, uh, let us know if putting a trap in the middle of a clearing is the right thing to do. Usually you put it someplace where it's not just random, where animals right. walk by. You like you put it on a path of some kind that is uh, you know, in and amongst trees so that the, the animal doesn't have a lot of choice as to where they go. It gives you a greater chance to, to get... Uh, to get something. Oh, I see what you mean. So you you know the patterns of the animals, and they they're like cats in your house. They they follow the same paths often, right? They right. have their own little tracks. Yeah. So if you know that, then you that's where you put the trap, and you're more likely to get one. Not in a big open clearing. Yeah. Okay. So I just that that seemed a little weird to me. Good point. Uh, we go back to Bob, Sasha, and Maggie, and they're talking about moving on. Um, they want to wait till the fog clears, and of course Maggie notices that. Her compass is broken, so now they don't even know which way to go. Oh, no. I know. Back over to Daryl and Beth. They come to an old house, which is a funeral home, mm -hmm. and there's a cemetery out in front of it. And uh, Beth's having trouble walking on her ankle, so Daryl piggybacks her uh, up towards the house. Okay. I have two questions here. All right. One, Daryl said it was a serious piggyback, which is great because 
it's been a long time since I've given someone a serious piggyback. Not and just a for fun piggyback? That's right. Okay. And two, when was the last time you've ever, ever, ever heard of a funeral home being next to a cemetery? Um, church? Yes. yes. Church, funeral? yes. I don't know about funeral homes next to a cemetery. <laughs> no, that's true. But <sighs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's different down there. All right. If also, anybody knows of a funeral home next to a cemetery, let us know. Listen, also, we are urban livers. We are urban. We are city people, um, at least currently in life. I know you came from a little town, but we live in the city yeah. where there, where it's a little bit different. Um, you Maybe you get this kind of thing out in the countryside. Maybe. I don't know. It just seemed uh, odd to me. Right. Um and uh, anyways, he's piggybacking her, a serious piggyback. A serious, serious piggyback, yeah. <laughs> right. And they, uh, you know, Beth says maybe there are good people here, but Daryl decides that I don't think there are any good people left. I don't think the good ones survived. Mm-hmm. Now, as they're going up tor- through the cemetery, they pass a gravestone that reads, Beloved Father, and they stop, of course, because this reminds Beth about her dad, who has recently had his head chopped off. Right. And uh, Daryl puts some flowers on it, and then Beth and Daryl hold hands. That's nice. Which is nice. These two characters are getting a little bit closer, I think. They are. I think it's a brother-sister kind of close, though. I still don't feel any sexual tension between them. I don't know. Not yet, but maybe as this episode goes along. Maybe. I don't know. Um, let's see what happens. We're back with Maggie, Sasha, and Bob. They come to the tracks, and they find a Terminus sign. Mm-hmm. Exciting. And now Bob and Bob mentions that he heard something about this on the radio when they were going to the veterinary clinic, which right. is good. This is another one of those at scenarios where you think, oh, Bob's not going to say anything because people on TV never give each other enough information. Right. But I think The Walking Dead, I think their track record has shown that actually they they're a little bit better at that than most shows are. Right. You know, yeah, characters aren't afraid to share information with each other. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that, uh, you know, Bob pipes up. I'm surprised he didn't pipe up earlier, but, you know, really they had other things on their mind between then and now. Except he explains that in this. He said, I didn't really understand it until I saw this just now. He actually says that, right? Because they heard something on the radio. I mean, yeah, they didn't say, hey, we heard a transmission. That might have been enough. But he's like, we heard this on the radio, and oh, my God, I couldn't hear it, but this is what they said. It makes sense now. Well, you see what the problem is, is uh, that, uh, you know, the four people in that car didn't have the advantages that we have of being able to pause it and rewind and go, what was that? And then try and make it out. <laughs> yeah, they forgot to turn on their real-life closed captioning. And yeah, closed captioning would have helped. And see what it said. Man, could I ever use that in real life? <laughs> Somebody mumbles, you just rewind, turn it on, like, hey, look at that. Look at that. I, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so they're standing around talking about what to do. Maggie wants to go because she thinks Glenn would go there. But Sasha isn't so sure. She says, we got to find shelter. We can hole up in a building. We can reinforce it. We'll be fine. We don't know anything about this place. Yeah. But Bob agrees to go and says that they can't keep making circles from the bus. So they're obviously executing a, a search pattern right. for Glenn. Yep. Which makes sense. It'd take a long time. Uh, but that's the best thing to do if you're searching for someone. It is. Go around and around. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's probably why they needed the compass, because that's that would seem, um, it'd be very difficult to do without a compass. If you're in the woods and you're trying to maintain a specific bearing and, uh, you know, 
have a search pattern, a compass would be very handy. Whereas if you're just kind of going off the sun or doing dead reckoning, you're going to get lost. For oh sure. yeah, I would for sure. I would, I'd probably get lost even with a compass, to be honest. <laughs> not not exactly a uh, survive in the forest by myself kind of guy. <laughs> right. Well, you should take an orienteering class. I, I should. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know. Maybe maybe a CPR class first or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll start. You know, start small. Couldn't couldn't do the essentials. Um, what do they say? They decide they should take a vote, but Sasha says nope. They don't have to. So she's reluctantly agreed to go. Well, that's because she would lose. Well, she would obviously. Yeah. <laughs> she already knows that the other, how the other two are going to vote. She's no dummy. We come back from a commercial break, and we're at the funeral home house. Daryl and Beth go in, and they note how clean and well-kept it is. Mm-hmm. They find a body in a coffin with lots of makeup on, so somebody has been uh, tending to these bodies. Right. Downstairs, they find another body, and Beth notes that it's beautiful that someone would take the time to care for the dead like this. And she asks Daryl if he thinks it's beautiful, but he's more focused on wrapping her ankle and getting her all bandaged up. Yeah, you're crazy for thinking that's beautiful. <laughs> it's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a statement on the uh, the world that they now live in that they, they come across, like the first thing Daryl does when he sees a body in the coffin is he touches it. Like he just reaches out and, you know, scrapes off some of the makeup. Smears the makeup right off, and it looked yeah. like there was a fair bit there. And he had no problem with uh, with doing that because, uh, you know, their their world now, that is not a strange thing. No, you end up touching a lot of dead things. Yeah. Um, so, but, but see, she asks if he thinks it's beautiful, and he doesn't really answer, but I in this scene, I think you could tell that he's starting to come around a little bit. He's starting to see things the way Beth does. Right. And and we get more of that as the episode goes along. Um. But right now we cut over to Bob and Sasha in the forest. Apparently Maggie's out getting firewood. And Bob questions her about stopping the search. This is where Sasha says she wants to find a town with a safe building to set up in. Right. I have a question about gathering firewood. Okay. All right. So they're in the middle of the forest. Yes. They've got a... Uh, they're sitting in just some area in the middle of these woods. Every three feet, there is a fallen log and a bunch of twigs, like all around them. Mm-hmm. How friggin' far does Maggie have to go to get firewood? Well, apparently not so far, because later on we find out that she heard everything they said. So she's probably like right around one tree somewhere, and they don't realize that. Yeah, so she's hiding. Uh, you know, maybe she had to go and... and Hoop. Use the facilities, so she she went a little bit farther away because you know yeah. you don't want to do that right where you sleep. No, so maybe they thought she was out of earshot. Okay, so <laughs> she's pooping around a big tree somewhere, yeah, something like that. Yeah, because right. yeah. yeah, that's the best thing to do if you don't want to just you know out and out squat. You lean against a tree. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never had to uh, take a dump in the forest, thankfully. Oh, you haven't <laughs> lived, my friend. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I've lived in other ways. <laughs> Um, so we go back over to Daryl and Beth. They find a bunch of food in the house, and they notice there's no dust on the containers. No. So now someone's been taking care of bodies, no dust on the food. Uh, someone's, seems like someone's been living here. Yeah, lots of, uh, pickled pig's feet, too. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> I've never tried that. Neither have I. Yeah. Um, but you know what? It did occur to me, Jason, that 
there could be two or three more things that we are going to have to try on the air soon. Can you even buy pickled pig's feet? Well, that may not be one of them, but if you can, then sure. But I'm thinking more that I'm coming home with some crazy cheese. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. I didn't <laughs> even think about that. Which which means we're, we're going to have to get together at some time in the next little while to record a podcast so we can both try the crazy cheese. Yeah, try the crazy cheese. See if you can find some pickle, pickled pig's feet. I'm also going to bring some Funyuns because you can't get those at home. Yeah, no Funyuns in Canada. Um, and maybe some unusual potato chip flavors. Oh, that'd be cool. We, we have our own unusual Oh, you got a car. Flavors. You can just fill up the, the hatchback full That's, of garbage. Okay, I'm coming up with a list. Okay, make a list. As long as it's some stuff I'm allowed to bring across the border, I'll do I'll do what I can. There's some uh, actually some plastic organizational uh, containers that you uh, you can no longer get in Canada for some reason. Oh really? And they won't ship them. I I contacted them saying, hey, I need you. To, I would like to place an order, but uh, <laughs> you don't ship to Canada. And they're like, yep, we don't ship to Canada. Okay. Crazy. Well, let let me know. All right. Um, and I'll stop at a Walmart or something. That'd be great. Uh, all righty, let's get back on track here. Uh, what's happening? They see the food, there's no dust on it, and Daryl decides to take some and leave the rest because he thinks this is somebody's stash. Right. And, oh, look at this. Beth decides that there are still good people once again, and hmm. I think Daryl is one of them because he's not stealing their, their all their food. That's right. So that's um, nice. It is good. It's very good. You see them hanging up some noisemakers, and uh, outside to, you know, warn of any approaching people or otherwise. And then we see Beth start playing the piano and singing. Daryl comes in and lies down in, in the coffin. <laughs> yeah. And tells her to keep playing. That's nice. So he likes it. Look at these two. They're getting along really well. They are. You know. Have you, have you ever slept in a coffin? No. Me neither. People slept, do, though. Uh, vampires, yeah. No, not not just in fiction, but there are people out there that uh, do sleep in coffins. Really? Yeah. Are they? Are you sure they're not vampires? I'm sure they're not vampires. Oh, they just okay. they're. It's just some people like like this kind of thing, and they'll they have a coffin and they'll sleep in there. Well, Daryl seems to like it. He says it's the uh, most comfy bed he's ever had, mm -hmm. which is sort of sad. <laughs> had in a while. Oh, I think he says ever. I'm not like sure. he was, he was sleeping on plywood. I think before the apocalypse. Well, you know, even in the prison, that's a nice bed. Like with the, if, but it's not mm -hmm. nicer than a coffin, I guess. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, and then, uh, as the camera pulls away here, I thought there was just a really, really nicely composed shot that I wanted to mention of him in the coffin, her at the piano, bunch of candles burning all around them. I thought it looked really, really nice. Yeah. Whoever did the cinematography on this episode, bang up job. Mm -hmm. So we cut over to Sasha. She's waking up from sleeping under a tarp. Man, I would not want to sleep under a tarp. You've never <laughs> slept under a tarp? Uh, well, I've slept in tents and things like that. That's pretty close. To me, that's pretty close. <laughs> Man, you should sleep under a tarp. <laughs> Apparently, I have, I have not lived, yeah. <laughs> um, and then her and Bob find a message on the ground from Maggie. It says, don't risk your lives for me. Good luck. And Maggie's gone. Mm -hmm. So she has left. But Bob says they got to catch up to her, even though Sasha doesn't want to. She's like, "Let her go. We'll be, we'll be fine." Right. Uh, we go over to Maggie walking down the tracks, and she comes to the sanctuary sign. And uh, a walker stumbles up. She kills it and starts digging around in its stomach guts. Yeah, for ink. 
yeah, which I didn't realize at the time, but she's going to use that to write a message. Yeah. So you just make yourself a nice ink bowl full of blood and then uh, go about your business. Well, it's it makes sense. She was going to carve the message into the side of the, the, I don't know, shack that was there. Yeah. A- and that would have taken forever, right? Yeah, you just paint some blood on there. That's nice and quick. Um, after a commercial break, we have Bob and Sasha walking down the tracks, and Bob is saying he's happy because he's not alone. Yeah. So the Stooky monster, not alone and happy. Yes. It's really all he wants. Yeah. You know, you know it's it's the small things in life. Exactly. It's just it's just the little things. Um, they come across the dead walker that Maggie killed, and the message that she wrote, we now find out, says, "Glenn, go to Terminus." Right. More or less. So she's leaving him messages saying, that's where I'm going to be. That's where I want you to be. Smart. Yeah, very much. Um, We go over to uh, Daryl and Beth. He carries her into the kitchen. They sit down to eat, and outside the noisemakers rattle. So they're all of a sudden on alert. They don't know who's coming. Turns out it's a one-eyed dog. Yeah. (laughs) Scruffy-looking thing. It's a scruffy-looking dog, but it won't come in the house. It just yelps and runs off. Well, why does it come to the door in the first place? Well, that's a good question. Now, um, I don't know. I don't know. Why did it come to the door? Does that dog live there and it's looking for some food? I don't know. Was the dog sent there somehow? Maybe. The dog was a warning? You know, you sent a one-eyed dog shows up at your door. That could be a warning. I think it's Daryl's spirit animal. <laughs> one-eyed, scruffy <laughs> dog. You know what? That's One-eyed, mangy dog. Could not be that far off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spirit animal. It came to tell him something. It did. Maybe it came to warn him. Yeah. So that's what I think it is. I don't think it's a real dog. I think it's Daryl's spirit animal mm-hmm. that uh, came to warn him about impending danger. All right. Well, he didn't uh, He didn't really listen. I don't think he picked up on the message then. Nope. Uh, but before anything else happens, we back over with Sasha and Bob at night. They, they're sitting there. We hear walker noises. Bob talking about how being by himself, uh, you know, he's when he was by himself, he didn't sleep that much. And she says, well, you got to sleep now because you're you're healing. So he says, all right, I can try. Lies down, waits for a minute, says, OK, I tried. Sits back up again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. I really liked that little moment of comic relief there. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, he tells Sasha that she's the toughest and the sweetest person he's ever met. That's so sweet. Working the angle, baby. He is. Uh, we have Daryl and Beth again at night. She's writing a thank you note for the food because, again, there are good people. You want to write thank you notes to them. And that's the proper Southern thing to do. Actually, it's proper anywhere is that if uh, if someone gives you something, you write them a thank you note. You can't just call them and say thank you. You can't text them and say thank you. you even emailing them with a thank you is not quite proper. You send them a thank you note. It is the height of uh, politeness. I really do think so. Um, and, uh, suddenly though, there's, um, uh, what's happening? Beth says, okay, so they talk, they talk more about still being good people. And she says, you do still think there are good people, uh, don't you? What changed your mind? And then he kind of looks at her, he mumbles, she asks him again. And, uh, you know, he looks at her and you just, you just know he's going to say you did. Right. But he doesn't. And But Beth picks up on it anyways. And this scene, for me, another really, really good scene because they they got their point across without 
spelling it out for us. And right. I, I think that's really nice. You know, he yeah. just looks at her, the camera lingers, you know, and uh, she realizes what he's trying to say. Right. Really well done, I thought. Yeah, it was a very, uh, I really liked this scene myself. You know, it was, it was about what the characters didn't say in the scene is why it worked for me. Yep. Uh, but suddenly there is a dog noise outside. So the spirit animal's back. Yeah, warning of impending danger. I, that's right. And Daryl goes to open the door. Who's there? Danger. Knock, knock, knock. Who's it's there? Us, just us zombies. Zombies. <laughs> There's a lot doesn't of doesn't look through the door or, or the crack of the door or anything. He just opens it. Well, as we know, he's been prone to do this before, Jason. Yeah, that's on true. The last, on the last one, uh, he just opens the door of the golf course and walks right out. This time, that doesn't work so well for him. Right. There are a crowd of zombies at the door, you know. Somehow he didn't hear them. They're just suddenly all there. Always, always, always listen to your spirit animal. If That's right. If an animal s appears out of nowhere to tell you something, yeah. you listen. That's right. If you take one thing away from this podcast, it's always, always, always listen to your spirit animal. That's right. Well, he tries to slam the door. He tells Beth to get her shit and go up the road. He'll meet her in a minute. And he starts fighting off the zombies. Right. Always have an evacuation plan. Always have a meeting place. Yeah. You know what's interesting, too? Well, we've talked about meeting place. The people in the prison clearly didn't really have a meeting place set up. Right. And earlier, when Daryl walks into the kitchen, he says this place is boarded up tight. The only way in or out is the front door. He actually made a point to say that. Yeah. So no exit plan, no meeting place. These guys are getting a little soft. Yeah, and it's uh, it's the pickled pickled pig's feet, I think. As soon as you see a cupboard with pickled pig's feet, you're like, oh, I can relax. Finally, finally, <laughs> life is good again. <laughs> yeah, finally, I can just chill and have some pickled pig's feet. That's right. So he starts fighting off these zombies, and he ends up downstairs in that room with the body, which seems to be a bad, bad place to go because it is a basement room with no exit. Yeah, it's a very dumbass thing to do. Um, but he gets the gurney in between himself uh, and the zombies. But he's got his back up against the wall. Yeah. Now, Daryl manages to escape, everyone. He's going to be fine. By He sort of crawls under the gurney, and he's stabbing a lot of heads as he's going. And he gets sort of around the side of the wall, pushing the, the gurney into zombies, and, uh, you know, manages to escape back up the stairs. Right. Lucky guy, man. Very lucky. I mean, that was uh, it was a dumbass thing to do, but he, maybe he had a plan. Maybe that was his plan. If I go down there, I can use the gurney to block them, while I ha so I can have enough time to stab a bunch of them in the head and maybe uh, get through this. Like I guess what he was doing also was luring them down there, right, so that Beth had time to escape because right. maybe she needed to pry some boards off a window and get out, right? Right. And if he if there were just zombies in the house, they could be anywhere in the house. So if he drew them all downstairs, she had time to escape, although he put himself in pretty, you know, a pretty high-risk situation. Right. I would have uh, gone upstairs. <coughs> uh, I assume there was an upstairs. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely a two-story home, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he manages to escape, luckily, comes out, you know, unscathed. And um, he runs outside just in time to see a car driving away, and we assume Beth has been taken in this car. Right. Because normally I would think that she just got in the car and drove away, but her bag was on the ground. Right? He yeah. He found her bag. And why and would she leave her bag if she was just getting in the car to drive away? Plus she'd wait for him, right? 
She probably would. She wouldn't leave him there. So, so Beth has been taken now. By who? We don't know. Unknown forces. That's right. We go to commercial and we come back and we are with Bob and Sasha. They find another sign from Maggie. And uh, that's it for them. We go back to right back to Daryl. He's running along the road after the car. He comes to the tracks, um, but he's tired and eventually can't go on, so he sits down. Very, yeah, very sadly, just kind of, that's it. I'm taking a break. I'm, I'm lamenting the loss of my friend. I'm just going to sit here. Yes, my, my girlfriend is gone. I cannot go on from here. So the road he was walking on had leaves all over it. Lots think, of leaves. So I'm just wondering about, the again, the production of this. Uh, you know, do you think, how long does it take them to spread leaves evenly over a road? Or do they just leave it for, like, nobody's allowed to drive down this road for a week before we do our shooting? I don't think they do that. I think they probably just spread leaves. That's just weird. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I understand it. They yeah. do, you know, more spectacular things than that, but... It just it's it's a nice touch that uh, they would go about you know go about the effort of uh, you know spreading leaves all over the place to make it look old. I mean, I don't know. Is it possible that those leaves were just there like that? It's unlikely, no. I guess. No, because uh, leaves are <coughs> extremely slippery, right? <laughs> and they blow a lot in the and wind, they, and they blow around a lot. But uh, you know, if leaves were covering the road that much, I th- I think somebody should clear them off. <laughs> like some kind of city maintenance crew because... Yeah, the, the township should come by with a leaf blower and just do something. Well, yeah. Maybe that road doesn't get used all that much. Maybe. And, you know, one of the worst things that can happen to train tracks is leaves on the tracks. Because really? then the train can't uh, get up hills because of leaves on the tracks. Huh. Because they're, they, they're extremely slippery. Especially when they're wet. Exactly. Slippery when wet. Yes. All right, well... um, there are a lot of leaves, but he sits down, decides to take a break. Yeah. Sasha and Bob, they're walking along. They come to a town with a building. Uh, they argue a little bit about staying there. Um, they Bob, of course, wants to keep going, but this is the kind of thing that Sasha's been looking for. And, you know, they talk about her being afraid, afraid to to get to Terminus and not find Tyrese because she thinks that means he's dead. Things like that. Bob says that, Bad things happen happened to him when he was scared, but he didn't need to be afraid all the time. Right. And uh, I think he's realized that because of what happened at the prison, yet he's still with some people. Sasha says she's not afraid, though, and he goes, look, I'm going to try something here, and he plants a big old kiss on <laughs> Sasha. Um, now, she doesn't push him away, but she doesn't really kiss him back either, right? Just kind of yeah. stands there. I think uh, she's warming up to the idea that the Stooky Monster is, uh, you know, attracted to her. Well, is and it's just a good dude. He's got the best intentions in mind, and, you know, he's maybe a good guy to have around. Yeah. Um, but uh, they stop kissing, and, you know, she says Bob doesn't have to be alone again because he's about to walk out on his alone. And Bob says, I won't be. But they still go their separate ways. Well, how come he chooses Maggie over Sasha? Like he had, and the reason he's going after Maggie is that she's alone. But if he goes after her, then Sasha's alone. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Even and you know he's kind of expressing his feelings here for Sasha. Um, 
you know, it, maybe it's because Maggie's looking for Glenn. She's looking for someone, right? Right. And and Sasha is just trying. Sasha almost seems like she wants to be alone a little bit more. I mean, I don't she, think Sasha does want to be alone. I think well, she wants to be safe. And uh, you know, it just it strikes me as odd because it's six of one and half a dozen of another for. Uh, for for Stookie because you know if I go after Maggie because she's alone then I'm leaving this other person alone and uh, so in that case you know what factors come in the factor the fact that uh, Maggie chose this the fact that Maggie's walking towards some place where she might not be alone she's looking for someone in order to not be alone mm-hmm. but if he leaves Sasha she'll definitely be alone and has no prospect of not being alone maybe it's the quest maybe Bob likes the the drive to do something, right? Yeah. They're going somewhere, not just staying and eventually waiting to to die. Maybe I just I I think I don't quite understand uh, his motivation for wanting to do this and leaving Sasha behind, unless he's trying to call her bluff. Like that that's mm-hmm. the only explanation I can think of is if I say I'm going absolutely, will she change her mind? And ultimately, he doesn't. And I guess. He's not bluffing either. Like, if they were trying to bluff each other, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work because he leaves and she goes in that building. Yeah. Uh, she goes in, she climbs up to the top floor, and she momentarily starts to break down a little bit, but she quickly collects herself. So, you know, to f- to further that discussion, I don't think Sasha's really entirely 100% sure of what she's doing. Right. She gets up there and she's like, oh, maybe this wasn't a good idea, but she represses it. That was a beautiful building. Did you see it? It was, it was a one nice. of the huge ceilings, like old wooden beams, and oh, it was fantastic. Not a bad place to to live if you had to, I suppose. Lots of light. That was really nice. I would I wouldn't mind having that for an apartment. Okay, <laughs> it's a good looking place. Yeah. Um, she collects herself and she looks out the window, and what? She sees Maggie lying on the ground amongst some walkers. I didn't notice that at first because I think it was an ice cream truck. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out the ice cream truck, and I wasn't looking at the people lying on the ground. No, I didn't see Maggie either, but then Sasha reacts to it. She goes to open the window, but the whole thing crashes right out of the frame to the ground. <laughs> which, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, which startles Maggie, and she sits up, and uh, and it also attracts some walkers. So Walker's car coming around, and Sasha's like, oh, my God, i got to get down there right. and help. Um, so let's just talk for a second about what Maggie was doing here. Uh, actually, hold on. Uh, once we talk about that, I want to talk about the ring of vehicles that they're in. All right. Well, let's let's finish then, and we'll get All to right. this this after that. Okay. So she so so uh, Sasha runs down, and together they fight off all the zombies. Sasha's got a uh, her sharpened pointy stick, which is which is all good. you really need. Well, she gets up on a car, and she has the the you know um higher ground advantage, which is really good when you have a sharp and pointy stick. But Maggie has officially taken the title of most awesome weapon in The Walking Dead in yep. this scene. A street sign battle axe is what I'm calling this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She has a parking sign that she's swinging around, chopping off heads. It was amazing. I thought this was like, this was the what I want to see on this show. And I'm not saying that because it was an action scene or it was good zombie killing. I'm saying that because it was unique. It was different. It showed 
extreme creativity and I think this is the kind of thing that I want to see from like the writers and the producers of the show it was awesome yeah you sharpen up that sign you got yourself a beautiful battle axe absolutely Street it would sign. weigh like 20 30 pounds but whatever whatever Maggie's yeah. strong man yeah she can she can wield that thing um after they kill all the zombies, Maggie uh, says that she heard everything Sasha said at the camp and that she refuses to believe that Glenn might be dead. There's just no way. That's true. Um, but she didn't think she needed help, but she's decided now that she definitely does need help and she's okay asking Sasha to risk her life to help her. Right. What I liked about this is it kind of echoed what her father said uh, what what Herschel said when he was talking about you take a drink of water you risk your life, yeah, and uh, and he was saying that to Maggie so I I sort of liked how that worked, and Sasha agrees to help which which is good, yeah that's nice that she well she was uh, I think she was second guessing her choice mm -hmm. when she went upstairs she's like okay this is all well and good I think I can defend this but I'll be alone if I do that yep I'll be all by myself. Um, we cut back over to Daryl. He's sitting on the road hold still. Hold on, hold on. We're going to talk about the ring of cars. Okay, let's do the ring of cars now. All right, so there was an ice cream truck and another truck and a minivan, and they were all in a nice ring. Did you notice that? They were. And uh, the, there was a minivan there with a bunch of like stuff on the roof, tied to the roof, and the side door was open, and there was a bunch of stuff in there. So this, to me, looked like a... Uh, you know, some circling the wagons kind of thing. Yep. Whereas there is a uh, caravan of people, including an ice cream truck, which is very important. Okay. Because there might be ice cream in there. Yes. And uh, so I just thought that it was uh, it was nice that they that had that fight within this defensible position. Like it was uh, easily kind of to manage the uh, the zombies as they were coming in mm -hmm. because the, the ring would slow them down so that mm -hmm. they could uh, they could they could fight, but. Um, two things. One, when they left here, uh, they didn't search any of the vehicles and take any of the stuff. There was lots of stuff to be had here. Yeah. Like from the look of it. And two, if these vehicles were all put in a circle and then everybody died because of uh, some kind of zombie herd event, uh, these vehicles are running vehicles. Like they're not broken down. They can't all be broken down. They can't all be uh, out of gas. There's something... I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure there's a usable vehicle in this group. I was going to say they could push them into the circle, but it would be pretty hard to push an ice cream truck. Yeah, have you ever tried to push an ice cream truck? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. It's okay. they're heavy. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I just I just thought it was a bit odd that there's this this cornucopia of supplies and vehicles, and they just completely gloss over it. Yeah, that 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 hadn't occurred to me. Uh, it's funny. I I did sort of noticed the circle of vehicles but you know i didn't really think about it anything beyond that but you're absolutely right this means there were people they yep. had supplies they were smart enough to create this sort of defensible position and these were probably cars well you're you're right that at least one of these cars you think you could make work at least the ice cream truck because yeah. if you're going to take anything you take the ice cream truck because at the you know at the bare minimum you can probably turn on the music I was going to say, turn on the music, <laughs> attract zombies, you'll have a giant herd behind you. Yeah. Driving I mean, slowly. Yeah, and if they have any money, you can sell them ice cream. <laughs> That's right. Make some coin. Make some coin. Um, well, 
that wasn't a good point, but it wasn't really the point of this scene. Maybe that's no. what <clears throat> was happening here. Yeah. They uh they but but they just moved on. But so what was Maggie doing? Was she hiding amongst those dead zombies? No, she yes, she was sleeping. She was lying down, thinking, sleeping, resting. Why not get in the ice cream truck? You're just as safe in there probably. Well, then or, she wouldn't be seen by Sasha. If anybody walked by, or <laughs> well, that's right. Didn't she say too that she was waiting for them, because she had realized that I do, in fact, need your help, and I will ask you to risk your life. You'd think she'd wait on the tracks and not someplace where there's no way she could see the tracks or could be seen from the tracks. Yes, you would think so. Um, anyways, I don't know. It was it was a little bit weird to see her just sort of lying there. I mean, I get the protection or the. Uh, the cover of having dead zombies around you. Another zombie might think you're just another dead zombie. But it was a weird position to, to go for that. Well, maybe she just misses Glenn and wanted somebody to cuddle with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Come over here. You look like Glenn. <laughs> Snuggle right up. <laughs> yeah, just cuddle right up to him. Fine. All right. Well, we cut over to Daryl. He's sitting on the road still, and... What did you call them? The Mad Dogs? The Pack of Mad Dogs? The Pack of Wild Dogs. Wild Dogs. They walk up and surround him. So they're back. We are yes, going are. to see them again. And just as the leader, Joe, played by Jeff Kober, walks up, Daryl jumps up and punches him in the face, grabs his crossbow, and points it right at him. Yeah. And, of course, this, you know, he's surrounded. He's got other weapons pointed at him. So there's not much Daryl can do in this scene. They talk for a bit, and the guy says, you know, I respect a bowman. You've clearly been using a bow for a while, but if you do shoot me, these other guys are all going to take you down multiple times, so there's, you really don't have an option here, buddy. Yeah. Well, I would have said something along the lines of, yeah, but you'd have an arrow through your face. It's, you know? it, so, it's a bit of a trade-off, but not one most people would want to make. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, at this point, at this point, <clears throat> Daryl has been you know, Mopey Daryl for a long time. Um, and he just lost Beth, too, the, the one person who was kind of bringing him back and yep. and bringing him back to, you know, his humanity. And he just lost that. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he would have gone for it, but he doesn't. He lowers his weapon, and uh, they introduce themselves. Yeah. Which sort of indicates that Daryl's like, okay, here's maybe I can work with these guys. I'll go with them. You never know. This might work out for me. I think the, I think that's right. He, and I don't think he's going to become one of them. I think he's just going to use them for, or, you know, he's doing what he needs to do to not die at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Are these the people that took Beth? Uh, they don't have a car. Well, not that we see right here and now, but who, who, who else would it be? Uh, you know. It makes sense that these guys, these we know these guys are not very nice guys. We know that they have questionable attitudes towards women based on the way they were talking when they were in the house. Yep. And you see Beth, uh, it, they could want to kidnap her for not-so-nice you know, purposes. Okay. So the problem I have with that is that when they're surrounding Daryl, they're all carrying backpacks and bags and stuff they need to survive. There's also a bag left behind by Joe as he walked up to Daryl. It looked like he put down his bag in order to deal with uh, this guy in the road. Mm -hmm. So if they had a vehicle with a kidnapped girl in it, I think they would probably leave all their bags near the car 
or like if they're in the back seat. Well, first of all, they wouldn't all fit in one vehicle, so I assume that they have more than one vehicle if they mm-hmm. did have the vehicle, and that they wouldn't have their bags with them. So that makes me think that this is not the group that kidnapped Beth. Yeah, but you may be applying too much logic to the to the whole scenario. Like, I think this probably is the group only because how many groups do we need or how many different fragmented people do we need? I should turn those sounds off. Anyways. Is um, it me or is it you? No, it's probably me. Oh. Um, and if it's not, that means that Beth is likely taken by someone we haven't met yet and i don't know if they're going to go there you know they introduced the wild dogs and they're back and they've crossed paths with a couple of our characters now and you know i think they're setting up a conflict here with a kidnapping hostage situation that daryl's going to have to deal with yeah i think that the uh I think that Beth being kidnapped has is related to the well-kept house or funeral parlor with the stock of food. There's no way these wild dogs are related to that building in any way, shape, or form. So somebody came back, realized someone was in their house, and 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 whoever that was has got her. Right. And the and the pack oh. of wild dogs does not have Daryl's spirit animal with them either. And uh, I think that dog probably would have been with them if that were the case. You're right. It probably would have been standing right there. <clears throat> okay. You know what? You've convinced me. Maybe Beth is with somebody else. I still won't be surprised if it's these guys, though. Yeah, I'd be disappointed if it was these guys because internally that's not consistent. All righty. So well, it doesn't we'll, make sense to me. We might find out this week. I don't know. I'll be, I, I don't think they'll let this go too long. That being said, we haven't seen Rick... And those guys in a couple episodes, so we're due for an update on them. Right. Uh, what happens next? We see Bob on the tracks. He's walking by himself, and then Maggie and Beth catch up with him. So uh, very sneakily. Yeah, because by the time they uh, catch up with them and let them know that they're there, <laughs> it's just like a, hey, Bob. They're, yeah, they're like right <laughs> behind him exactly. Yeah. So Bob needs I, to be on alert more. <clears throat> or you know, if if I was trying to catch up to someone and uh, on the train tracks and uh, they came within uh, you know visual range I'd probably yell except that you know, then you'll attract zombies maybe it's oh, better to true. just keep going until you're within range that you can just speak normally alright so they're, they're being sneaky which is fine which is fine yeah they all hug though and, and reunite in their quest <clears throat> towards Terminus and to find Glenn and uh, they're all happy again especially Bob that guy has a big smile on his face yeah, because he's got a better chance at a threesome now than he did before all by himself. <laughs> threesome back on. <laughs> um, just before the episode ends, we the camera cuts to panning down across the Terminus sign, and we see a hand come up, and who is it? It be Glenn. So it Glenn has Glenn. seen the sign, <laughs> and he's going to be on his way. Now, I did notice that there's no sign of Terra or the triplets. Um, That's true. With Glenn. So they're probably there. We just didn't see them in the shot. Uh, but uh, Glenn, it looks like now, oh, so it looks like Glenn's on his way to Terminus. Does that mean everybody is on their way there now? Except possibly for Daryl and Beth. But uh, Tyrese. Yep, Tyrese. They were the yeah. first ones to go on their yep. way. Tyrese, the girls, and Carol are on their way. Glenn is on his way. Maggie, Sasha, Bob are on their way. Rick, Michonne, and Carl are on their way. Right. 
Um, Daryl and Beth are the only ones that have other problems to deal with, and I think they're the only ones that have not seen a terminus sign. Right. Possibly because they walked the wrong way on the tracks, if you recall. Right. That's true. Okay, I'll go with everybody's on their way. So it could be soon that they meet up again, although at this rate, I think it won't be until the season finale. Right. Um, so there we go. That was the episode. Um, what did you think of this one? I thought it was a little slower paced, but overall I think I liked it. Slower paced, eh? I thought this this actually was my favorite episode of the second half of this season, I think. I really, really liked this one. It, it, yeah. it For me, it, it didn't do any of the stuff that I didn't like from the last couple. There was no sort of, well, I, I want to say silliness, but I know that, that, you know, that is a little bit subjective. Right. Um, of course, all of this is. But there was none of the stuff that I thought didn't work or took too long or didn't provide any new information or advance the story or anything like that. Everything here I thought was really good and it revealed stuff about our characters. They had meaningful conversations. Um, there was some great quiet character moments between people, but there was also great action, a really good balance there, I thought. So, you know, it this episode really, really worked for me. I liked how, you know, I liked the stuff with Daryl and Beth. Um, it showed an evolution in both of them. And, uh, yeah, it, it worked. I thought they had great chemistry in this episode, too. Yeah, I, I, I you know, once you put it that way, I think that uh, I, I agree with you that this was a really good episode. There was a lot of good moments, and there was some action. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm on board. All right, good. Good, good episode. Um, I was going to ask you if you thought, you know, if Sasha would have actually stayed on her own, but we already kind of addressed that. I don't, I don't know that she would have. You know, she got up there to that building and was like, maybe this wasn't the best decision. Right. She Her hand was forced after that, but I'm not even sure she would have stayed by herself for very long anyways. Right. You know, the, the, the idea here was that being alone is not, it's just not good. It's not the way you want to be in this sort of scenario. You need other people. You need help. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not uh, you're not going to be able to survive by yourself for you, sure. You need support, not just to to help you fight off zombies, but emotional support, right? Mm -hmm. You, hey, in in real daily life, lots of people need emotional support. After the world has basically ended, you yeah. need that even more. And you always, always, always go with the possibility of a threesome. <laughs> if you always, always, yeah. If there's a possibility of a threesome, you pursue that. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. No, you're, you're not doing. at the not at any cost. But uh, if you uh, if you have the uh, if you have the ability to pursue that, and there's a chance that it might happen, uh, you you uh, you work towards that. Okay. Well, Bob seems to be following those that logic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to a degree, he did go off on his own there for a while. So. Yeah. Anyways. Um, all right. So great episode i am extremely happy with this one um i got a little you know people have called me out a bit for complaining a bit too much this second half of this season and i apologize everyone but i gotta say it like the way i see it so right this one i really really enjoyed um okay if you have any thoughts on this episode you should uh, let us know by sending us email or calling the uh toll-free zomb line we 
Um, I think we will be doing a feedback show in a couple of days, which, uh, you know, is, I know the schedule is all weird this week. So we'll be doing our feedback show Sunday morning, releasing it on Sunday. And then new episode of The Walking Dead is that night. So everything's all weird this week, but do send in feedback. We will get as much of it on the air as we can. But right now, Jason, it is time for this week's edition of Holy Crap, Did You See That? Holy crap, did you see that? All right, our first one comes from James in Pittsburgh, PA. He says, there was a lot of holy craps to choose from this week, but I'll go with two choices. One, holy crap, Maggie is swinging a road sign like a bat. Yeah, see? Without admitting guilt, I have some experience moving road signs (laughs) and have a hard time believing a 120-pound person can swing an iron street sign like Uh, They were Barry Bonds. It's a small thing, but it made a show about zombies seem less realistic. It's funny. This doesn't bother me one bit because I, I think the whole concept of it is so awesome. It, you know, I'm I'm good with it. Who's Barry Bonds? She Barry Bonds is a a, a baseball player. Okay, heavy hitter. Uh, Number two, Daryl traps himself in the basement. For the guy who consistently shows common sense, this is one of the worst decisions the show has put to screen. Faster than normal walkers and no escape seem to scream build suspense, in quotes, from a production view instead of keeping with the character's history. Right. Well, yes, I picked up on this too, but again, I think it was it was well done, and I think what he was doing was luring the walkers down so Beth could escape. Right. So he put himself in a, you know, a serious grave danger uh, in order to help Beth get out. That's right. Which, you know, he is a good person as we finally as we've learned and that's what he would do to help his friend. Right. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, so we have a call. Oh, oh no, sorry, it's not a call. It's Kara from north of Manjugurdap Drive a bit. Now, <laughs> she sent along a picture of a sign. Uh, of this uh, of this drive, and I think I, I at least have the syllables as they're written correctly, Manjugurdap. That is an unusual word. <clears throat> it is. All right, Kara says uh, since I didn't do an oh my god, did you see that or did Jew as in J O O like the uh, Manju dear <laughs> dear oh now I screwed it up. <laughs> anyway, since I didn't do an oh my god, did you see that last week? Can I do two this week? Well, the answer is of course, because oh my god. Did you see Daryl hooking up with the yokels from Rick's Home Alone adventure? I checked Mr. Punch in the Face uh, is a guy who Rick was five seconds from killing on the porch and Bandana Man survived the bed fight. So did you notice that he was in that he was in the group? I did not notice Bandana Man. Um, so there's a picture. I think one of the uh, one of the listeners who sent an email had a picture of the guy. So it was a picture of the guy in the group surrounding Daryl, and a picture of him on the floor looking at uh, uh, at, at Rick. Okay, and it's the same guy. He's same survived. guy. Good, good to All know. Right. So and oh my God, did you see Maggie decapitating a walker with a signpost? Seriously, The Walking Dead needs more tough girls like her. Yep. That I'm telling you, that for me, that was the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. Loved it. Fun. Um, Mr. Punch in the face. I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next one. Jeremy in Illinois writes, 
Maggie went apeshit on walkers with a freaking signpost. I see a recurring theme here, Jason. Yeah, I saw the way. And there has to be another level of badassery that Maggie just entered for ripping a sign out of the ground and beating a walker to death with it. Now, that sign, I don't think she tore out of the ground. It was probably no, it was already... a nicely, nice, clean cut bottom. I think she either found it on the ground or quickly, you know, searched the hardware store for a hacksaw and spent uh, an hour, hour and a half cutting that signpost down. I think a good hacksaw would get through it faster than that. I don't know. Maybe Let's. Not, uh, who was the the first the first guy who said that uh, he's not admitting any guilt, but uh, has some experience carrying signs? Maybe uh, uh, James, if you could write in and let us know how long it takes theoretically and just your opinion, uh, not admitting any guilt, how long it would take to cut a signpost down. <laughs> yes. Uh, who really knows? Yeah. Uh, so what am I next? Am I up? Yeah, I think so. All right, so we have an email from Sarah in Mission BC. Don't really have a holy crap moment, but I did think this one scene was beautiful. Uh, we have Daryl resting in a coffin while Beth plays the piano and sings. I like that outside the house, the dead walk around while inside the living sleep in their resting places. Yeah, you know, and I haven't... Uh, you organized this this week because I was driving for my you know whole life yesterday. Right. So I haven't read any of these until right now. But clearly people were picking up on the same things I did while watch this episode because I, I mentioned that too. Beautiful, beautiful scene. Yeah. With all the candles around. Uh, the juxtaposition that Sarah mentions of the dead walking around outside while people are inside you know, playing piano and, I mean, sleeping in coffins, that doesn't really work. But, you know, it's they're, they're enjoying life, sort of, mm -hmm. for a moment inside yep. the house. So, uh, Emily from right here in Chicago. Emily, if you're at Walker Stalker Con, look me up uh, and say hi. Just, just say hi. Uh, she said, I wanted to say, holy crap, did you see that sexual tension? The whole first half of the episode felt like a race as to who would hook up first, Bob and Sasha or Daryl and Beth. And just when you think it's finally going to happen with Daryl and Beth, there's a walker and then kidnapper cock block. <laughs> Thank you. Overall, great episode. The best of the second half of the season, in my opinion. I'm very concerned for Daryl and Beth. So did you feel the tension, the sexual tension with Daryl and Beth? Uh, I felt a, uh, a connection, but I'm not sure it was sexual. I still think of them as a big brother, little sister kind of relationship. And I, I think that's the way they're going. I don't know if there's going to be any uh, sexual tension there. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're right about the connection. They definitely connected this episode. They're, they're starting to see each other's viewpoint a little more, or at least Daryl's coming around to Beth's sort of happy world kind of viewpoint. But I don't know. I, I think maybe they're going for it. You know, they're holding hands. They're, they're Piggybacks. Uh, they're doing piggybacks, serious piggybacks. Yeah. So I'm not sure if maybe the show is going that direction with the two of them, getting them into a relationship. Right. Um, and for some reason, that doesn't bother me all that much. I, I just, I, I don't think I see it. I don't. Yeah. And maybe I'm completely way off base here, but I just, I don't, I mean, it's my own wishes that are clouding my, uh, my judgment of what actually is being shown on this screen. But uh, I just, I just don't see it. I, you know, I think now that Beth has been kidnapped, Daryl is going to rescue her. I basically think what is, what's going to happen here is what and they're And that's what up. you do for your little sister when she's kidnapped. Yeah, you, I guess so you would, but I think maybe the act of, 
you know, the act of sacrifice of him or whatever he has to do to rescue her, Jesus, maybe he does have to sacrifice himself for her to escape. Maybe this is going to be Daryl's big moment. Right. That'd be insane if he died and she lived. But I, you know, I think I might like that. It's never, ever, ever going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, but can you imagine? Like, imagine if he, you know, threw himself to the wild dogs so that she could escape. And you know, what does that say about him? What does it say about her? I think it would be really, really poetic. Yeah. After I, all I this, thi- I think the the problem is that <clears throat> if this were the first season, then uh, I think Daryl would be uh, in danger because they would want to do something to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. Similar to what they did in the first season with uh, uh, with Shane, right? What then they did that you know it was right out of the comic book, so that's fine. But uh, I and uh, if this was the last season, maybe. But we're in the middle here. We're at the height of the popularity of this show, and Daryl is a very popular character. Never ever are they going to kill him until the last season. I, nobody is safe in The Walking Dead, man. We've seen that before. I think that's a great theory, and I think in the in comic book uh, world, I think that's true. I think in the realities of television production, when you have producers and a lot of money on the line, and you pay attention to people's preferences and, and the popularity of characters, and I don't think you screw with something that's working uh, just for the sake of artistry. I don't think it will happen. Oh, I, I, more, listen, I mostly agree with you. I, I, I agree with everything you've said and that you don't mess up, a, a, you don't fix what ain't broke, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm just almost hoping they do, though, because I think it would be amazing to see something like that. Yeah, from an artistic point of view, I think it's fantastic, and I, and I kind of hope that that would happen. But from, like, it, it's, you know, it's a television, it's, it's an industry, mm-hmm. right? And they're all there to make money, and the money makers are, uh, are in power, and uh, I don't think whatever Robert Kirkman decides and whatever that writing group decides, they got to get it past producers. And those producers are going to go no freaking way. So money trumps art. Oh yeah, every time. Well, when you in the world of television and movies, yeah, uh, yeah, because you can make an artistic movie and it could bomb, and it's still a good movie. But this TV show is, uh, you know, it's a regular, it's a cash cow that continue. It's a cash cow on a cash train running on the cash train tracks, and there's you don't want to screw with that. No, when your cash train comes in, you <laughs> That's right. you welcome it with open arms or yeah. open wallet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, All right, so moving on here. We have uh, Pat from Greensboro, North Carolina. I have two holy crap moments. One, holy crap, did you see when Daryl was running up the stairs after fighting off all the walkers in the basement that he grabbed the arrow out of the walker's head on his way up? Cool stuff. I like that. As soon as I saw that arrow sticking out, I'm like, yeah, he's totally grabbing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, it would just follow him because that's the way arrows work in uh, the Daryl world. And number two, holy crap, did you see the fire hydrant behind Bob Stuckey when Daryl and Glenn found him on the road? There is another fire hydrant behind Daryl at the end of the episode when he sits down in the middle of the road. Is that the same fire hydrant? Is there a significance? I did not notice any fire hydrants. I totally noticed both fire hydrants at the time they first appeared on screen. As soon as uh, and I, saw, I saw it when Bob was on the road by himself, and I'm wondering, what the hell is a fire hydrant doing in the middle of a country road, first of all? Because that's a little weird, in my opinion. Um, and then we saw another one, exactly the same thing, in the exact same kind of, the side, same side of the screen, 
Uh, same looking style fire hydrant. What the hell is a fire hydrant doing in a country road? And I thought maybe they would pan out to show the truck that Bob was on, but they didn't. Right. It was in a different location. So I think it was a different fire hydrant, but in the same, I think they both scenes were shot in the same area, probably within like a hundred feet of each other. <laughs> yeah, probably. Fire hydrants tend to look all the same within regions, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't notice the fire hydrants. Maybe maybe it could be the same one. It's it's a good sort of circular thing here where they pick up Bob and that's where Daryl ends up. Yeah. Good. Uh, all right. Aaron in Syracuse, New York writes, so my first holy crap is how once again you were right. Well, thank you. Hooray. That is about Bob's big smile. He's not alone this time. Maybe this time he won't need to get high on cough syrup to dull the loneliness. Also, holy crap, how great were Daryl's zombies gurney slash corpse shields? He is one strong mother to be able to push aside so many mobile and immobile zombies to escape. He is a strong mother. Well, that's why he doesn't wear sleeves, so everyone can see his big-ass strong arms. It's true. And they look they look good to me. I'm sure they would. <laughs> so we have uh, an email from Gemma on the internet. My holy crap moment sequence was the funeral parlor house. It was like sort of a gingerbread house full of goodies for Daryl and Bev. Uh, it was just too good to be true. It kept it was kept spotlessly clean. It was boarded up nicely. It was conveniently empty and had a, a miraculous cupboard full of goodies just waiting there, including pickled pig's feet. My head was going off with alarm bells. Warning! Warning! I think that herd of walkers was somehow set on them to lure them out of the house, and Beth uh, spraining her ankle earlier was also no accident. Uh, also, the dog was used as a decoy. I felt Daryl's hopelessness after this scene, especially after his moment with Beth. Also, Daryl Horror Movie Code says, you don't go down in the basement, but I guess he had no other choice, uh, and it made for a fantastic scene. No one puts Daryl in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not even zombies. Yeah. Uh, now, the dog. Let's talk about the dog. Was the dog there? Well, we, you know, we know what you think is spirit animal, but maybe that dog was used um, as a decoy somehow. Um, I thought it was a bit weird that there was a group of zombies uh, up against the door all of a sudden, right? Well, and yeah. we've covered this before when he left the uh, the golf course uh, building, just opened the door and went out, and how zombies, unless there's a reason to go to a particular door like they hear a noise or are doing something. They just kind of, you know, mill about randomly. Uh, so why were those zombies there and why did the dog go to the door? That the, the, both those things are suspicious to me. So they heard, they, they heard the noisemakers, the hubcaps, make noise the first time. He goes and opens the door and it's a dog. The dog runs away. Then later, they don't hear the noisemakers make any noise. They hear the dog bark, and they think, oh, the dog is back again. Goes to the door, opens it, and it's a big crowd of zombies. Right. So were the noisemakers still hanging? Like, were they taken down quietly somehow? And uh, if... Well, there was a herd of zombies. I don't think they walked around them. No, but, I mean, the, the guys who took Beth, or, or the person, or whoever took Beth, did that person lure those zombies there? Did that person position them at the door that person take down the noisemakers so the zombies could get through silently-ish. Like, was this all a big setup to get Daryl and Beth out of that house? My first thought is yes. It seems kind of elaborate, though. 
you know? Espe- well, maybe it, it, they're not the the pack of wild dogs. Maybe it's just one person, right? And what are you going to do against somebody, uh, you know, more than one person with, uh, you know, with weapons that uh-huh. they've probably seen or maybe they know of, uh, you know, Daryl having weapons into a building that is well defended uh, with lots of doors and uh, corridors and things. Like, uh, this seems like it's not, not really elaborate when you, when you think of it in those terms. No, but... It- uh yeah, but it does seem it does seem less likely that if it was some sort of setup, it does seem less likely that it was the wild dogs because you'd think they would just storm the place, right? And Exactly. And take the the blunt approach. They would open the door and start shooting and right. start bashing the crap out of anybody in there. Right. Whereas if it was just one person who needed their house back, they yeah. might I mean, the plan was still kind of elaborate, if you ask me, but they might come up with something, some other way to scare these people off. Maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, one elaborate plan. It was two simple plans. One, send the dog, try and get uh, and get it to run away uh, and get, uh, you know, whoever's in the house to come out, at, go after the dog. That didn't work. So they're like, okay, we got to send in you know, a group of zombies to take over the house and then we'll have to deal with the zombies or I'll have to deal with the zombies that are in the house. Right, send in the zombies. So that's, you know, that's their uh, their second approach was send in, send in the clowns. I mean, zombies. Right. T- to do that. Okay, I like it. Our next one comes from who? Christian on the internet writes, I must say that I really enjoyed this episode. A lot of character development and two nice gut punches in Beth's disappearance and Daryl joining the wild dogs. My holy crap, did you see that moment was during the Foggy Walker attack when Jeff Kober was credited, and I was like, what the hell's going to happen now? (laughs) So they had his name on screen, right? Yeah. Uh, By the way, do you think that Rick's new coat and Uzi will get him in trouble when he meets Daryl's new friends? Can't wait. Good times ahead. Oh, one more thing. Gimple is bringing the show closer to the comic. Did you notice that he is bringing in a lot of the Telltale games as well? The crashed helicopter is probably inspired by a scene in Season 1, Episode 3. Is this going to spoil anything? Uh, should we? Should I stop there? I don't want to spoil the yeah, game too much. Yeah, I think much. you should stop there. All right. I so, hadn't considered that when I put, this, put gi- this one in there. Let's quit with Gimple bringing in... Uh, the show closer to the comic. And I, I think we've kind of talked about this already. And I like it on one hand and I dislike it on the other because, hey, I like seeing comic stuff on screen, but I feel like the show has become easier for me to predict what's going to happen. And I right. don't really like that so much. Right. So. Okay. Um, so we have an email from Michael Avery in London. My holy crap moment was I think I saw Daryl run past a blonde woman in similar attire to Beth when he escaped from all the walkers uh, in the house. Uh, was she attacked and not in the car and Daryl uh, left her behind? Plead this, plead, please read this out, possibly. Uh, I really think I'm onto something here. Well, you got it, Mike. I'll read it out. Okay, so he ran past a blonde woman when he was coming out of the house? Yeah, I didn't notice that, but uh, maybe we can go back and have a look at some point. I will definitely go back and have a look. I would that would be bizarre, uh, and you'd think like everybody would notice that. Well, yeah, I don't know. I maybe. I mean, let's we'll go to the tape later. But if he did, then he just left her there, and <laughs> who was in the car? I mean, maybe it was still the homeowner in the car. Maybe the dog knows how to drive. <laughs> It is. 
It is a spirit animal, after a one-eyed all. One-eyed dog driving a car. <laughs> oh, yeah. No depth perception. That that dog is going to crash that well, car. He's not going to drive well. He's just going <laughs> to drive, you know? You can you can teach a dog to drive, but uh, I don't know. Not if it has one eye. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to go check that later. I'd be surprised if Beth was there. I mean, I think the assumption is she's been taken by somebody. Right. Uh, who's next? Craig uh, from that, Scotland? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's correct. Craig from Scotland. My holy crap moment was when Beth was snatched from Daryl. Uh, didn't he hear the dog howl in pain? Didn't he see the walkers through the gaps in the barricaded windows? I did. Sloppy stuff from our hero, but his method of dispatching the numerous zombies was awesome, to say the least. Great episode. Cool. Yeah, awesome. All right, so we have uh, Samantha from Ohio. Holy crap, it has taken four and a half seasons to get me to scream and shriek during an episode. And it happened when Daryl went to answer the door and f uh, from what he thought was the dog knocking in the security cans. And he opened the door and it was all those zombies. <laughs> he thought the dog was knocking. This is a talented <laughs> dog, I'll tell you. It can drive a, a spirit car. spirit animal, I'm telling you. <laughs> it can drive a car. It can knock on doors. And it only has one eye. And it probably set those zombies on the... Uh, on the house because it took a lot of time to stack those cans and put the pickled <laughs> pig's feet in there. <laughs> this is the dog. The dog lives in the house, obviously. Yeah. This is some kind of super dog. Yeah. Um, Katie from Hertfordshire writes, holy crap, how did Daryl and Beth not hear all those walkers that were at the door? They must have been some quiet walkers. This scene actually made me jump because I thought it was the dog from earlier. This was a pretty good scare, I must admit. You know, open that door. He opens it so casually. Knock, knock, who's there? Oh, my God, zombies. That's, <laughs> That's right. sort of what I was thinking. All right, so we have uh, Rich from Okinawa. Holy crap, did you see that makeshift battle axe that Maggie was wielding? Pretty slick. <laughs> Kevin from the Internet writes, Holy crap, did you see that car that drove off with Beth? It wasn't a Hyundai. <laughs> no, it was a hearse. No, it wasn't a hearse. There was a... There was a a plus sign on the back. I think it was one of the funeral home vehicles. So it's not necessarily a hearse, but I think it was a like a, a, a town car of some kind. I thought it was sort of older and junkier than that. But okay, if it was a funeral home official vehicle, yeah, that lends you know something to the fact that maybe this was the person who lived there and not the wild dogs. It does, and maybe the wild dogs were living there. I mean, that's a possibility too. The wild dogs were not living there. One of them is a former funeral home director who likes to stockpile food and keep his bodies clean. And keep the place neat. Do you think those guys are going to be neat and clean and tidy up after themselves and not track mud in on their boots? Not a chance. Not a chance. No. Good All point. Right. So uh, we have Tom from Milton Keynes, K-E-Y-N-E-S. How do you spell that? Spell that, say that. Well, I would say Milton Keynes. It's in England. My holy crap, did you see that moment was when Bob survived the walker attack because it bit him on the bandage. If, if all it takes is to prevent a walker from uh, a bite is a piece of bandage, why are they still wearing such skimpy clothing? If it were me, I'd be wearing a leather motorcycle suit, or failing that, I'd wrap myself up in bandages like an Egyptian mummy. Well, I kind of agree with Tom, uh, but at the same time, I think it would be pretty hard to bite through a bandage. I don't know. Well, I don't... Yeah, I didn't... Uh, yeah, probably. I would I would wrap myself in uh, bicycle tubes. <laughs> yeah, anything that you can't bite through. Rubber. Yeah, but I, duct tape. I, yeah, I think a bandage actually, you know, it would protect you from most bites, I think. 
especially if it's wrapped around a couple times, right? right. Human teeth are not that sharp no. unless, you know, unless you've sharpened your teeth for some reason. We right. do have the uh canines. Yeah, the canines that are there for biting through stuff, but I don't know. I think a bandage would protect you from most bites. Maybe not all. And and I guess Bob just got lucky here. I think so. But you're right. In this scenario, best to wrap yourself from head to toe in something that's bite-proof. And then you can just walk around willy-nilly and not worry about zombies. Well, still, you have to worry about the pressure, right? Well, I guess not really because, you know, human teeth, it's not like it's a shark biting you. It's not going to break your arm because, the you know, it's such high-pressure bite. Or a grizzly bear who could bite through a bowling ball. <laughs> it's true. Look that up. Really? The, yeah. A grizzly bear could bite through a bowling ball. They have enough jaw strength to Jeez. crush a bowling ball. You, you also do have to be worried about zombies tearing you apart. There's also that. Yeah. You, you, they all have uh, they'll have claws and fingers and stuff, and they'll dig into your skin. You get enough of them pulling on your arms, and they're going to pull your arms off. So, uh, but, but still, wrap yourself up so that if one gets the better of you, then you're not necessarily a, a dead man. Okay, that's it, eh? That's it. All righty. Well, that is awesome. So a little bit of an unusual episode and very, very late, everyone, but uh, we've got it out. We're going to try and record again on Sunday morning, do a whole bunch more feedback. Uh, so keep sending it in. And thanks for your patience this week. We should get back to normal next week, although I do have potentially a 12-hour drive on Monday to get back to Toronto. And oh, you're traveling on Monday? Yeah. All right, well, we're not going to podcast on Monday night. Well, we'll see how it goes. Last time we went to Walker Soccer Con, we came home and podcast podcasted that night. Um, That's true. The, but the difference being, I have to drive the whole time, so I can't, like, you know, prepare for the podcast while I'm in the car. Yeah, and it's it's also active travel, traveling rather than passive traveling. You're not sitting on a plane, relaxing, watching the episode, like you said. You're actually, you know, driving. Right. That, you know, it takes attention and is tiring after 14 hours or plus, so. Plus, I have to stop to pick up crazy cheese and Funyuns and... Oh, yeah, you have some shopping to do. Some shopping. Probably go to a, I don't know, liquor store. <laughs> liquor store. Know. You just stop at, uh, stop at a party store. They'll have everything. Yeah, probably. Uh, so we will see. Okay, we'll see how Monday goes. And if I'm in any shape to do it, we're going to podcast Monday night. You're okay with that, right? And if not, then uh, we'll try to do it well before Friday <laughs> next, <laughs> next yeah. week, okay? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, um, though, but we will be more or less back to normal uh, in the coming week, so. Our schedule will be. You and I, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, in the meantime, though, send in your feedback to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. You can also call us at 1-866-483-9662 or go to the website and click the send voicemail button. Um, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead or we are at talkingdead on Twitter. Um, don't forget the podcast listener meetup is when is it it's saturday right yeah i should make notes at it is saturday something at the the red bar and lounge at six six o'clock six p.m on saturday in the hyatt regency o'hare so if you're here for walker stalker con or you're in the area come on out and say hi i'll be there um the uh walking dead cast jason will be there sadly jason you're not going to be there because you're still no. in toronto yeah. Um, but maybe I could FaceTime you and then you'd be there too. 
Yeah, try. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it might. Who knows? All right. Um, you know, and, and other podcasters, James and Eric and everybody too. So it should be a good time. The one we did in Atlanta was the best time I've ever had in my life. So uh, this one should be good too. Good. Um, that was a lot of fun. It was It was really good. And who touched you with something inappropriate? Uh, it was Travis Love. Give me a great big hug. Touched you with his crotch. Well, we don't have to go there, but he gave me a big hug, let's just say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. Uh, all right. Good times. So hope to see you guys out there. Send in your entries for the uh, Record Your Favorite Scene contest. Keep, keep those coming. Um, only a couple of more weeks. You know what? So I think there's only two more, maybe three more episodes because there's one Sunday. You know, if anybody should be on top of this stuff, it's us. It, well, yeah, but you know what? I have an excuse. But it's it's March 14th right now, and the final episode is March 30th. So what is that, three more? Yeah, this is episode 13. Okay, exciting. We're getting there. Anyways, the contest, the Record Your Favorite Scene contest, closes the day after the season finale. So keep come, keep sending those in. Get them to us, and uh, we'll play it on the air. All right, that's enough rambling. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thank you for listening. Why Why is our names conditional? You said, until next time, my name is Chris. What, what happens after next time?